With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the H2P Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here on DKPittsburghSports.com and our podcast platform that you can get anywhere, but especially on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Remember, you can download us for, for free. Read us five stars with a positive comment on Apple Podcasts to help out the network. Now, Pitt fans, I know this wasn't the Sunday you wanted to wake up to with your Pitt, your Pitt basketball team taking an L to Georgia Tech, who was the last place team in the ACC. Um, and I mean, there's, there's, there's no, but about that. There's no, there's no redeeming quality there. Uh, this was a major opportunity for multiple reasons, but I want to talk about this show about things that I see the way I see Jeff Capel handling things or just the challenges that are in front of him, namely trying to get these guys, these young players to understand what it's going to take to be a consistent, consistently productive basketball team. Because it's not easy when you're step, when you're reestablishing a culture, when you're reestablishing an identity, when you're reestablishing a program to get guys to, you know, it's, it's one thing to give them the buy-in and say, Hey, that's how we have to win. But to understand that what it takes to continue to buy in every single day and how tiresome that can be, how wearing, how worn out you can get by by playing that way, and you you see how Pitt plays. They're not a team that can just come out and shoot the lights out, and well, that's it. You're just not catching them. They're not a team that you can just be so fast off the dribble that they're going to beat you to the basket almost every time. They're a team that needs to outwork you, outthink you, outhustle you in every game, and pretty much every single one of their wins, they us they outhustle the opponent. They outfight them. They out. They they outscrap them. Even if they don't out rebound them, or they they not win the, the 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 turnover battle or the fast break points, but you will see in that game their defense coming to play and their offense feeding off of that energy. That didn't happen in this game, of course. Pitt came out and played some of the worst defense we've seen them play in this past month. But I do look at this game and I see. Man, I'm like, 
why didn't this work this way? Why you know what what hap- what happened here? What what's this breakdown there? And after the game, you know everyone's thinking about it. And and, and Pitt fans, you might have known this coming into the game because Pitt had a, an amazing upset over North Carolina. They outplayed the Tar Heels, one of the best teams in the ACC this year. And sure, the Tar Heels may may have overlooked them, but that was a three game win streak that Pitt had earned. Only the second that they've had since the 2013-2014 season, and the only other second one was was last year's uh, three-game win streak before when they that got them to eight and two before they collapsed with a two and ten stretch to end the season. But again, I look at the lesson, the lessons that Jeff's trying to teach to get these guys together, and you have to understand it's not just one lesson; it's a billion of them. They they, they you got they got to learn how to handle every stage of everything. You know, whether it's preparing during the offseason, whether it's how they're showing up in practice, whether it's how they're 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 approaching a game, how they're approaching how they approach things with their teammates, different conflicts that they have, different styles of defenses they face, different styles of offenses they face. You you get what I'm saying. There's a lot of different parts of this game. It's why it's a hard job to coach college basketball. But the lesson that I think Jeff Capel was really, really, really hoping his guys got is that you have to follow through a strong game against a strong opponent with another strong game, even when it's a weak opponent. And that's not to make less of Georgia Tech. You know, I'm not saying that Georgia Tech is, you know, devoid of talent, because obviously they're not. But they are the last team in the ACC for a reason. And Pitt, and a lot of Pitt fans, we talked about this on Wednesday. Shout out to Jay Roberts, who's always in our comment section. <laughs> My man Jay, he he's a true pit fan. He goes through it. Football, basketball, he'll be he'll be in the comments section saying, oh, see, I told you, this is what happens when they don't run the ball. Or oh, man, another 20-point half. I feel for you, Jay. <laughs> pit be making pit fans go through it. But in all seriousness, um, you know, you 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 go into you go into this game off of that and you think back. This, like they're gonna lose this game. They they're, they're confident now. They they're 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 feeling good about themselves. They're gonna come into this game, be flat. They're gonna take too long to wake up, and then they're gonna be, you know, they're they, and then they're gonna lose, and then we're gonna be like, man, that was such a disappointing loss. And that's exactly what happened. They came into this game flat. They lost. They were down. They were down in the first half by nine. At one point, they were down by eighteen. And then it took a 14-0 run to get them back in the game. Imagine if they were imagine if they were only down 10 when that 14-0 run happens. What does it do? One for Georgia Tech. And it's funny, I was talking with a couple of the uh Georgia Tech beat writers after the game. We were sitting in the Pete, we're all writing our stories and we're chatting amongst each other. And the, one of the writers was like, you know, it's real I, I thought it was weird when Pitt fans were getting up and leaving when they were only down 12 with like four minutes to go, because it was like do they not watch Georgia Tech? We give up these leads all the time. And all of all of the pit riders look and say, yeah, but do you understand what what it's like watching pit because they don't come back from those deficits pretty much all the time. Um, so that was another funny conversation. But you know, it, it, it's it's a frustrating thing. And it's it is something that happens in all of sports, whether it's Football, whether it's college football, college basketball, heck, college baseball, uh, the NFL, the NHL, NBA, MLB. Sometimes it's hard to get up after after the game when you know when you're coming off of such a strong performance. 
And it takes emotional maturity, preparation to follow through on things like that. That was something that Pitt football did very well this year, but we've seen in years past when they haven't done well this well. But focusing on Pitt basketball, this is something that's definitely been a thing that Jeff Capel cannot shake. And, and I want to say this. I'm prefacing this now. This is not about Jeff Capel not knowing that that's a big issue. Because Muhammad Ugi told us, by the way, who had a phenomenal game, 27 points, was on fire. He was like the one guy that wasn't, you know, coming into this game being lackadaisical. And he was the one to describe their, their effort as lackadaisical coming into this game. But Jeff knows what it is. Muhammad Ugi told us, you know, as soon as we got off the plane from North Carolina, it was, hey, that loss is behind us. Get it out your mind. We gotta focus on the next game. A lot like how Kenny Pickett always says, you know, it's the twenty-four hour rule. As soon as the loss, as soon as the game's the, the day of the game's over, you're moving on to the next opponent. And that's what Jeff Capel was was getting his guy to. The prob, problem is you need guys to buy into that. And Jeff Capel acknowledged after the game, he was like, you know, I thought I was hoping that we had me. He's like, but I saw his practice, I was worried. I was concerned. And here we are. Same thing. You go back over the past several years. And even in his first season, 2018-2019, they beat the number one, number 11-ranked team, Florida State. Follow that up with a 13-game losing streak. Next season, they beat Florida State again. Upset, upset them. Everyone thought Florida State was going to be a powerhouse. Then they lose to Nichols State. That was year two under Cable. Then last year, 2020, you, you remember that season. Pitt beats Duke at the Pete. Everyone's in. Everyone's happy. Everyone's excited. Justin Champagne says Pitt is back, and then everyone's like, "Oh no, he said the thing," and then they lost to Wake Forest, and they went two and ten the rest of the way. Yes, it's something that Jeff Cable acknowledges that they got to fix, and I agree. But it's going to take players that understand what it takes to fix those things. Players that understand how it is to challenge those guys. Those players aren't easy. They don't just grow on trees. But I think that's a big part of what Jeff Capel's trying to find. He's trying to find that guy in his program who can understand that and be the guy that helps change that culture in the coming years with Pitt basketball. I want to keep talking about that here because maybe that guy's on the roster. Maybe that guy is developing. But we got to see more from those guys. Let's talk about who those guys might be right after this. Back here on the H2P Podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, continuing our show here on DKPittsburghSports.com's podcast platform. Remember to rate us five stars, help out all the shows, not just my show, but all of DK's Daily Shots, the Dale Lolly Show, the uh, uh, podcast on Fifth Ave, all our Pirates podcasts, all our podcast the yin's hers everybody you help out everybody when you give us a five-star review with a positive comment that stuff really does help out a lot so please do that it does help but like i said about pit basketball 
You know, and I said that I've said this before on the show, and you know me and my my approach to coaching. A coach can say the right message over and over and over, but you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And sometimes that's just what it takes. Now, sometimes you can say the right thing. The coach could have the right messaging and it just not get to the right ears. Or you just don't have the right ears on your team. You know, Xavier Johnson, a guy who for years people were like, why can't Jeff ring this guy in? Goes to Indiana University. Not IUP, the Hoosiers. And he's exhibiting a lot of the same issues that we saw at Pitt for years. Getting suspended by the team. Some guys, sometimes you just have the wrong guys. Now, I will say this about this team. Even though they, they struggled in this game, you haven't seen the rebellion that you saw sometimes from Xavier Johnson. I'm telling you, there was there was one time I was watching... You know, you know, there was there was one game, I forget which which loss it was last year. But I was sitting there in the peat writing up my story and you know, after the game, you know, we talked to Jeff and we uh you know, I was tweet I tweeted out one statement he said and it, and it was a game where Xavier Johnson I got them a technical or did something bad and it was just it was just inexcusable on his part. And Jeff was just basically like, you know, I don't know what else I need to say to him. I've been teaching. I've been trying to get get through to him for so long. I, I really need him to 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 grow up, or something to that effect. And what did Xavier Johnson do? Now it's crazy. Is I'm I'm sitting there in the peat and I'm I'm writing my story. And Xavier Johnson's out there like practicing shots, you know, dribbling the ball around. And I see him pick up his phone, look at his phone, take like a step back, like like you know like that 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 thing when you read like a when you read something that bothers you. And like your head goes back, he does that, puts the ball down, and walks off the court. And I'm like, hmm, pretty sure he just read that tweet that Jeff, about what Jeff said about him. Not long after, after that was when he transferred out of the program. Some guys can't take harsh criticism. Some guys don't learn that lesson. It's also part of today's college basketball. As soon as something happens that you don't like, you're out of there. I don't need to deal with this. I can I, I can I can go somewhere else where this where another coach will appreciate me. And, and again, I'm not one to advocate against the transfer portal. I think it's done a lot of really good things for 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 players across the country to get them into opportunities that they might not have had if there wasn't a transfer portal. Heck, Muhammad Ugi wouldn't be having the, the kind of season he is in the ACC without the transfer portal. He'd still be at Stony Brook, and people would be like, "Well, he's doing it at Stony Brook. Who cares?" But now people are seeing him play at at, at a Division One ACC level. And, you know, now there's talks about like, hey, could this guy be like, you know, a guy that gets like a, a backdoor shot at the NBA because of his length and how he's driving with the ball and how he's shooting the ball and how he's blocking shots and playing defense. You know, again, I'm not saying he's going to get drafted. I'm saying like, you know, someone might say, you know what, I could use a 6'11 guy who can do all those things. And if I can get him to do like two of those things at a better level, maybe he he, he gets us some important minutes in the NBA. And maybe he goes G League does something who knows but he, you wouldn't even be talking about that you wouldn't know who Muhammad Ugi was if it wasn't for, if he didn't get that opportunity through the transfer portal so I'm not saying the portal's bad 
But I am saying it puts it puts coaches in a tough position because they have to challenge players and they have to challenge them fearlessly. They can't go in and say, "Man, if I'm if I'm too hard on this guy, then he's going to leave." Because then the player won't respect you. They'd be like, "Well, I know that I have the power because I can just walk out." But you got to challenge guys and be like, "You know what? If you leave, fine. We're going we're going we're going to be all right here. This program's going to survive." But even when you know that that might not necessarily be the case, because a lot of programs they need <laughs> their guys to be successful. But the point being with Jeff, I think one of the guys that he has to push even more right now is Femi. And Femi, I, I think this was the game that we saw him kind of take that step back into where he was right around, right before their loss to Boston College. Because after that loss, he told us like, you know, he had, he had a really good game, and he told us he's like, hey, you know, my the guys, the guys, you know, told me I was letting the team down, I was letting people down. I got to do better. And he said I wouldn't do that again. And Femi, for like, what, six, seven games in a row, was playing better, more consistent, delivering, you know, dishing the ball out, limiting turnovers, taking better shots. He didn't do that in this game. He had three points, and they were all from the stripe. 0 of 3 from the field, only three assists, and four turnovers. Bad. Now, Jeff did talk about how, you know, his guys are playing heavy minutes, which he's absolutely right, almost every night. All but two or four points at most come from his starters. Pitt doesn't really have a bench. Noah Collier can come off and give you some good defensive minutes and some good rebounding minutes. The same thing for what William Jeffers, but neither are offensive threats. And Anya Bucci has a kudo, another guy, solid effort minutes, but not a guy that you're going to depend upon too much with this crew. And the drawbacks of that are your guys are really sore. And Jeff Cable talked about how, like, you know, Thursday we did a walkthrough because we got back late Wednesday night from Chapel Hill. And you get up early Thursday and you start your practices. And you can't go too hard, so you do a walkthrough. You say, hey, this is how we're going to attack their zone. This is what we're going to do here. These are things we want you to read. And then Friday, you try to run a practice, but your guys are still sore because, really, they've only they've had less than, what, they've had, like, 30, less than 36 hours to recover from a very physical game in the ACC against a very physical team like North Carolina where – they had two guys in Ithiel Horton and Jamarius Burton who played 40 minutes. And most of those guys, I think they averaged as a, as a group of starters 34 minutes of play per player. You know, there was, you know, in, in comparison, for Georgia Tech, another team that doesn't have too much of a bench right now, but Georgia Tech only had one player play more than that 34 minutes, and that was Michael DeVoe, who's their best player. Led the team with 22 points scoring. But everyone else had like in the low 30s. Some had in the 20s as far as their minutes. Pitt doesn't have a bench. This is part of the problem with not having Nike Sabande. He would be another guard that could come in and give them some crucial minutes. And effective crucial minutes. And again, that's not an excuse for Jeff Capel. I'm not, I'm not here saying, oh man, if only he had Nike Sabande. You know, it's just it's part of the deal. You gotta rock with it. But Jeff was hoping that after all the things that Pitt has gone through this year, that maybe this was one of the lessons he had finally gotten his guys to get it, to show. It's like, hey, even after you beat that other team, you got to show up. You got to be ready and energetic for this next game too. And they just weren't. And that's not saying that they, that everyone on this team is doomed to be like this for the rest of eternity. A lot of people said that about Pitt football. No Pitt fan in their right mind thought that Kenny Pickett was going to have the, the, the year that they had. And if you did, you're lying. 
unless you're Kenny's parents, like that's a different story. But but like most Pitt fans, you were like you were hoping for a nine-win season. You were hoping for like maybe an ACC championship appearance. But what changed about Pitt football that made that turnaround? It wasn't the coaches' messaging, because they've always said you got to take your next opponent seriously, as serious as your last one, regardless who it is. They say the they say the right things. It took Kenny Pickett addressing the team after the loss to Western Michigan who said, this will not happen again. And Kenny Pickett, a guy who was with the program for five years, he had that weight in the room. He was the the warrior, the tough leader that everyone could look to and say, I'm going to follow that man in the battle no matter where, where he's leading us. And when he said that, it resonated with the team. And you saw the team. They went from not being able to stop the RPO against, you know, a, a Mac team like Western Michigan to shutting down the RPO of the best RPO offense in the country in Wake Forest in the ACC championship game. But again, the difference wasn't Pat Narduzzi saying something a little bit louder to Kenny Pickett or a little bit louder to the defense or getting, you know, pounding the table or anything or yelling at him or spitting in their direction and anything like that. It was that you had the right guy who had heard the message enough and he's like, hey, this is what we got to do. It took time to build to that. Just like it's going to take time for Jeff Capel to build it to build it at Pitt basketball if it ever does come. Because I'm not saying that definitely will. I'm not saying that Jeff Capel's going to fix everything overnight or, you know, even next year. But again, as I've maintained since last year when I've been doing the H2P podcast here, is that if Pitt basketball is going to be revived under Jeff Capel to be a real ACC contender, it's going to have to be with this crew. Not with this specific crew of all the players, but with John Hughley, with Femi Odakale, with maybe Noah Collier or William Jeffers coming up. Maybe one of them figures some things out and they'll actually be a consistent presence. And remember, all those guys, they have three more years of eligibility, not two. Because of COVID, they get extra time. But maybe they sit back and they and they and they and these are guys, because again, this year isn't about this year. It's about next year and the year after. Even if Yul Horton has two years left of eligibility. But you want these guys to be able to understand, hey, I can I can play this game with these guys. And I can come back next year and understand, hey, we don't want to be in a position where we're playing well and we beat a really good team and then we lose to some team that we know we should have beaten because we've done it for too long in this program. And I'm not saying that's going to lead them to win the ACC championship in basketball like it did for Pitt football. I'm not even close to saying that. But it could lead to them being a respectable ACC basketball team and program. Because right now they're not. They're, 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 you know, Georgia Tech being last, they're, they're right above Georgia Tech. And in, even in the, in the Ken Palm evaluations and however they do their rankings, they're now below Georgia Tech. But I do think that that's what needs to happen is that these guys have to understand the weight of winning and losing. They have to understand the weight of how even the smallest approach to a practice, to a warm-up, and to eventually a game can tip the scales in your favor or against your favor. And for me, that's going to be Jeff Capel's biggest challenge. You know, and you know, for those who say, oh, he's a complete failure, I, I don't see I don't think he's a complete failure. You gotta acknowledge all the things that they've gone through. He's failed at several things. 
But, I mean, look at John Hughley right now. 18 points, 11 rebounds, his ninth double-double of the season. And, that's, and this isn't me saying, hey, you know, consolation prize. John Hughley had a good statistical game. But I'm saying that a few game, a few weeks ago, we were asking, like, is John Hughley done? Is this the ultimate wall? Is he, is he not going to be able to get out of his funk? Couldn't, you know, react to a double team properly. Couldn't fight his way to get important baskets. And all of a sudden, now he is for the past several games now. It's clear that Jeff knows basketball and he, and he knows how to relate to, to basketball. And, and Heather, like you said, he hasn't lost his team yet. But when you're not a good team and Pitt's not a good team, you need to be able to show up every day. And it's not easy to do that. There's teams that can show up every day and be good, and that, that then that's fine. But to show up every day, to go up and, and fight every day, that's not just physically exhausting, that's mentally exhausting. To be that scrappy of a team. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying it's impossible. It's what they need to become. But it takes effort and it takes time. And it takes time to, and what makes it easier to do that on a consistent basis is when you have a culture of that. And we know Pitt basketball didn't have that, doesn't have that. But that's what Jeff's trying to build. This is a bad loss, however you want to look at it. But like I've said a million times, and I'll say a million more, this year ain't about this year. Get that out your head that you're hoping for something. What you're hoping for is to see which guys grow, which guys you can build around. And what things you can build around as far as, you know, intangibles or beliefs or understandings of who pit basketball is and who they can be moving forward. And I think that's going to be a big factor when it comes to Jeff Capel's legacy with pit basketball is can he get those guys to buy in? Because he even said after the game, I, I need to talk to these guys different. If they're not getting the message, that's on me. He's not He's not, you know, trying to escape any pressure there. He's not trying to get out of, you know, any criticism there. He's saying, I need to do that better. And I agree, he does. But doing that better and find, maybe finding another way to reach them Still won't matter if these guys don't understand it, embrace it, and you know, go back out there with that mentality. And sometimes it takes time to do that. But that might be another thing that he has to he has to get out of this class that this sophomore class right now that's a, that has three more years of eligibility because of COVID. If he can, if he can get them to identify with that and make that the core, and and Jeff even said that you know the leaders of this team right now as far as vocally are usually Femi and Jamarius. If he can get those guys to buy into that and, and get other guys to fall in line with them, that's the easiest way to change that culture. That's the easiest way to turn things around. Pitt's got some tough ones coming up. They got Miami Tuesday. They got Duke, Notre Dame. None of them going to be easy games. They steal one of those games. That's going to be another major upset. But I would... Uh, I, I would I would caution Pitt fans. You, you got your really cool ups to get uh, against North Carolina. Those are tough to come by, especially when you're struggling. But hey, who knows? Again, this could be about learning lessons, bouncing back, playing better. We'll see if Pitt basketball does that down the stretch. For all you Pitt football fans that are like, hey, what about Pitt football? We'll get to them. But I thought this was worthy of a Pitt basketball full episode of the H2B podcast. And thank you for listening to the H2B podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We appreciate everyone who, t- who stops in to listen to us. 
here on DKPittsburghSports.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. If you want to read more of what happened in this game, check out DKPittsburghSports.com for my game article. And stay tuned next week for the H2B podcast. We're back again. We'll be talking about where pit basketball is at that point. Also, we'll get some pit, we will get some pit football in uh, talking next week. It's going to be a fun time. Check out all the work we have at DKPittsburghSports.com and on our podcasting platform. It's an exciting week. Dale's got some cool stuff to break down about Brian Flores on the website. You'll want to hear all that and more right here on DKPittsburghSports.com. See you.